Good evening, church. It's another Wednesday night of our uh, COVID-19 crisis. I'm glad that you're tuning in. I'm glad that we can have this video opportunity. Uh, thank Brother Galen again for making this possible. He's a pretty sharp cookie, if y'all didn't know that. If a cookie can be sharp, he's the sharpest. And I'm grateful for him. Uh, tonight, I uh, want to start with a song. Yeah. Number 581 in our hymnal, and it's Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take Him at His word, just to rest upon His promise, just to know, thus saith the Lord, Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus, just to trust His cleansing blood, just in simple faith to plunge me neath the healing, cleansing flood. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Yes, tis sweet to trust in Jesus, just from sin and self to cease. Just from Jesus simply taking life and rest and joy and peace. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. I'm so glad I learned to trust Thee, precious Jesus, Savior, friend. And I know that Thou art with me, will be with me to the end. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust Him, how I've proved Him more and more. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust Him more. Continuing with that theme, there was a responsive reading in our book that I thought would go along with tonight's service. Now, I'm the only one here to read it, so it might not be different voices. I don't feel a whole lot of different personalities coming out today, but we'll see. It starts off like this. And we know. What did the Apostle Paul know? Here's what he said. That all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom He did predestinate, He also called. And whom He called, 
He also justified. And whom He justified, He also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? The answer, my friends, no one. He that spared not His own Son, but delivered Him up for us all, how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? Praise God. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is He that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? As it is written, For thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's just have a little word of prayer. Father God, we thank You for Your Word. We ask that You would open it to us and make it come alive by the power of Your Holy Spirit. Father, speak to our hearts as only You can, especially those that are troubled, those that are uh, disturbed, those that are fearful. And not only them, Lord, but those who do not know You. Bring them to a saving knowledge of Christ. Work in their hearts that they want to do that this very hour. And Father, as You do these things for us, we'll praise You. For it's in the name of Jesus I pray. Amen. Tonight, I wanted us to look at Philippians chapter 1 and chapter 2, just a few verses out of each chapter. And tonight's message is entitled, How... Do you handle difficult days? Uh, I think the Apostle Paul knew all about difficult days. I mean, almost everywhere he went as a missionary for Jesus Christ, he was either arrested, thrown in jail or prison, beaten, run out of town on a rail is how we would say it. But just simply for preaching Jesus, he was persecuted and suffered immensely. And yet he was faithful. And so I wanted to look at his life and what he had to say about how do you respond to those days that don't go right? How do you respond when life gives you lemons? The old saying is you make lemonade. But how do you go about doing that? How do you turn something from bad to good? Well, only God can do that because he said he works all things together together for good to those who love him or are called according to his purpose. His purpose is that we become like Jesus. His purpose is that the kingdom will advance, that people will be saved. So how do we do it? From what we read today, I want us to understand that basically we can trust God in any circumstance on difficult days. During difficult days, we can trust God during any circumstance. So specifically, what do we do? Point number one. 
on difficult days, remember that God never ceases to work. Remember on difficult days that God never ceases to work. And so, Philippians chapter 1, beginning with verse 12, the Apostle Paul says, says this, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and strife, and some also from good will. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And this I rejoice, and yes, I will rejoice. So Apostle Paul wanted us to remember that even on difficult days, God never ceases to work. Realize Paul's situation here. Paul is in prison. He's facing possible execution. Now, he doesn't think it's going to happen, that he'll be delivered by their prayers, is what he tells the believers in this book. But you see, his situation is not a good one. He'd gone through so many things, and, and now his situation is, as he's in this jail, and scholars think he was probably uh, chained between two Roman guards, and, and he was sharing Christ. All the guards had heard the gospel of Christ, even those that were the head of keeping him contained were hearing about Jesus. The other believers there in Rome and in other places seeing Paul's boldness were encouraged to share the word of Christ. Now some did it out of envy. Some did it to disparage Paul, to speak ill of his character. Did it to maybe add grief to his chains. But he didn't care. He said, I will rejoice in this and yes, I will rejoice that Christ is preached. So, what Paul is telling us is that even during this time of imprisonment, even when he would rather be with other believers, even when he would rather go on to Spain, even when he would rather uh, start new churches, he could see God working in the midst of these circumstances. Now, let's try to take that and apply it to our current situation. COVID-19, not just in our country, but around the world. It's so difficult. People are suffering. People are lonely. People are depressed. Some have lost loved ones and can't grieve properly properly because of the uh, limit on how many family members can go to a funeral or to a, a visitation. Uh, our healthcare workers are besieged on every hand. Our military is having to help out. Our doctors and nurses are... EMTs, our firemen, uh, all the first responders are in harm's way. Our missionaries overseas in harm's way. But God is still at work. I want you to think about it. For years, I have believed that the United States was a self-sufficient country. That we could do it ourselves. That we didn't rely on anybody else I think that pride was in a lot of countries, whether it was China or whether it was Russia or whether uh, it was all these other countries trying to compete and vie for world power, the United States included. 
We thought our economy, our military might, our medical knowledge, our stockpiles would be more than enough to see us through anything. And God just said, well, let's see. Now, I'm not blaming God for this. I'm not saying He created this virus. I believe that God in His sovereignty allowed this virus to strike, not just our country, but worldwide, to say, you can't handle anything. Who would have thought we'd see the day when we can't get all the supplies we need in America? And it's worse overseas. It's worse in third world countries. It's worse for our Christian brothers living where there's not clean water, where there's not adequate health care, where they can't get enough food, no medicine. It's worse. Think about what's taken away. Some of the gods we worshipped, money, many people are losing their jobs from being satisfied or from being secure. Now we're worried. What about our sports figures? We rely on that so much. It's almost like a cult of worship when we worship the different things and they have been canceled. What about our social gatherings? You know, it could be almost anywhere. It could be at church, which I love. We're canceled. It could be at the arenas we go to. It's canceled. It could be at the restaurants we love to eat and fellowship at. They're canceled. See, God did this or allowed this to happen to make us realize who He is. To help us to understand how much we depend upon Him. That we need to stop taking for granted. We have a unique opportunity as Christians right now to draw closer to Him. To seek Him while He may be found. When we draw closer to God, He draws closer to us. We have a unique opportunity to tap into His power through prayer and so that He can heal our land if we will repent and turn from our wicked ways. America will never be the same after this and it shouldn't be the same. It should be better because of this. Our church services should never go back to the same old, same old. They should be better because of this. We don't take it for granted. We realize what a blessing it is to gather together. We realize what it is to come into the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords together to praise His name, to worship Him, to gather and grow and to go and tell others. But remember, everything that's going on, God is still at work bringing glory to Himself. Maybe to make our nation what it's supposed to be a Christian nation, maybe to get our attention to come back to the God who loves us before it's everlastingly too late. Some hearing this message have never accepted Jesus Christ publicly as our personal Lord and Savior. And this is getting your attention and you need to do that. And you can call my phone number or the church phone number for spiritual help. Some If you're really honest, haven't been living for Christ. If you still have your work, you're lucky. Or should I say blessed. And you need to rededicate your life right there in the privacy of your home to live for Him. It's no matter during the rest of this virus or when it's over, but to surrender your life anew to Him. So Paul wanted us to see, first of all, 
Look, God is still at work even in the most difficult days of our circumstances of our life. Don't be discouraged. He's still on the throne. He's still all-powerful. He's still all-present. He still knows everything. He knows that this would happen to us. He knows right where we are now. The second thing I see that Paul knew was this. On difficult days, live out your faith courageously. Grab life and don't let go. Live for Christ courageously. Live out your faith courageously. Uh, Let's read again what he said, beginning with verse 15. Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some from goodwill. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add to my affliction to my chains. But the latter out of love, knowing that I am appointed for the defense of the gospel. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice, yes, and will rejoice. And then he goes on. For I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit's still working. We're to live out our faith courageously according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed but with all boldness as always so now also Christ will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death for me to live as Christ and to die as gain. But if I live on in this flesh this will mean fruit for my labor. Yet what shall I choose? I cannot tell. I am hard-pressed between the two, having the desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith, that your rejoicing for me may be more abundant in Christ Jesus by my coming to you again. He says we're to live out our faith courageously. You see, the Apostle Paul knew something. He knew, first of all, that personal attacks would come. Do we understand that? If you're living for Jesus, the devil doesn't like it. The devil doesn't like any Christian who is really living out the gospel in their area, in their community, at work, at home, at school, during our playtimes. During our gatherings, there should be a difference between God's people and Satan's people. And it should be so evident that it shows on our very faces, it issues from our mouths, which come from our hearts, that we belong to Jesus. But personal attacks will come when you do that. You see, in chapter 2, verse 17, he said these words. He said... Yes, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering on the sacrifice. The Jews and the Jewish Christians knew what that was. It was a part of an offering on top of a grain sacrifice or or sometimes on top of a a meat sacrifice. It was a sweet-smelling aroma to God. And he says, if that happens to me, if that happens, if I'm going to be poured out as a drink offering on sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. 
Now, why would he say that? Literally, we know that the Apostle Paul, because he was a Roman citizen, could not be crucified as Jesus was. He couldn't be crucified upside down as Peter was. But as a Roman citizen, he'd be taken outside if he was found guilty of the gates of Rome, and he would be beheaded. And literally, we know, without being gross, that his life would pour out as a sacrifice of service for other Christians as an example. But he said, listen, personal attacks will come. And they're coming because simply he was working for Jesus. Think of how tired he must have been of all these people talking about how weak he was or arrogant he was or how mad he was that he pe- preached Christ and Christ alone and, and, and all the attacks. So he, he's not a good speaker. He has poor eyesight. Or on and on and on and on and on it went. And those were the verbal attacks on his character. What about the other attacks? You see, he knew all about those too. But in the midst of that, he said, you've got to live out your faith courageously. A wise pastor took me, a deacon, took me aside one time. I was really disturbed because at the church where I had been licensed to preach, there were some that were saying, he'll never make it. There were some that remembered what I was like before Christ changed my life. To my shame, it was not very pleasant before I finally surrendered to Him not only as Savior, but as Lord, the boss of my life. And He said, Gary, the people that know you, they won't believe it. And the people who don't know you that talk about you, it doesn't really matter. Live for Christ in such a way that they have nothing to say about your conduct from now till Jesus comes back. I haven't always done that, but I'm striving to do that. And that's what Paul is saying. Live out your faith courageously even in the midst of personal attacks. Jesus was attacked, called a wine-bibber, called a glutton, called demon-possessed, hinted that he was illegitimate. I mean, come on. They plucked out his beard, they spit in his face, and put a crown of thorns on him, they beat him with a cat and nine tails, they They literally hung him on a cross in shame between two robbers and there he died for my sin and for your sins, for our sins. But he didn't attack back. He showed us how to live courageously. We need to live out our faith courageously. We can crumble. We can quit. uh, We can do all those things when personal attacks come, but we're supposed to keep on living out our faith. I'm responsible to Jesus and so are you. In the end, His judgment is all that matters. But not only living out your faith courageously, realizing personal attacks will come, realize that faith will see you through. That's what he said in 20 through 21. He said, according to my earnest expectation and hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Faith will see us through. You see, he'd been living for Christ a long time now. He had suffered as many of our Christian brothers around the world suffer. What did he say in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 22? Defending his apostleship, he said these words, Are they Hebrews? So am I. 
Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors, more abundant. In stripes, above measure. In prisons, more frequently. In deaths, often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Just as Jesus was beaten with that cat of nine tails, so was he. The cat of nine tails was a whip. It had iron, glass, bone, anything sharp embedded in it. And the strongest soldier or person in the town would wrap it around you, whip it hard, and yank it. It would go into your back and rip the flesh loose. They beat you 39 stripes because the 40th usually killed you. And that happened to the apostle Paul five different times. Not because he was evil but because he was sharing Christ. Three times I was beaten with rods. We know about caning today. can cause all kinds of brain injuries, broken bones. Three times that. Once he was stoned. They got him outside the city and threw stones until he crumpled. They thought he was dead. They left him there. And God's Spirit protected him and revived him and he had to limp off out of town. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. He goes on in journeys and perils, all those things. And then the concern above all others was for the welfare of the churches in verse 29. Who is weak and I am not weak? Who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? If I must boast, I'll boast of the things of my infirmity that God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ who is blessed forever knows that I am not lying. You need to understand, for Paul to live was Christ. When we talk about living out our faith courageously, most of us aren't called to do like that, but we could be. You see, we need to understand that Paul was fighting an invisible fight. Just as we are now, we're fighting a coronavirus. Paul was fighting a spiritual war. And if you don't realize it, you're in the same spiritual war. Satan wants to attack. He wants to stop us from witnessing. He wants to stop people from being saved. He wants to stop the church. That's why the church is under so much attack today. You say, it's sort of like this. Is any soldier a worthy soldier if he's afraid to fight? If when the battle is raging, he hides in the corner, is he a good soldier? The answer obviously is no! That's treason. He's not of any value at all. Only those who risk their lives on the battlefield when the war is waged are worthy soldiers. We need to ask some questions. What about us? You see, there are things we need to speak out in love. I don't want to see a bunch of negative, ugly comments about people on Facebook. We're not called to do that. Do I need to say any more or meddle on that? No. We need to understand that. We're called to stand up for our values, to talk to our families on what we believe and why we believe it, to hold fast the Word of God, but to live out our faith courageously in the midst of attacks because faith is what will see us through. Our faith is well placed. What did Paul say? I know him in whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that 
that I committed unto him against that day. And Christ is still doing that for us today. On difficult days, live out your faith and my faith courageously. The final thing is this, on difficult days, practice unity. In verses 27 and 28, he says this, On difficult days, practice unity. Only let your conduct be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel." and in not any way terrified of your adversaries, which to them is proof of perdition, but to you of your salvation and that from God. Verse 29 informs us of something. For to you, to me, to you, to all of us, it has been granted on the behalf of Christ not only to believe in Him, hallelujah, but also to suffer for His sake. We're told that. Jesus said in this life we'll have tribulation, but be of good cheer. He's overcome this life. Paul said, you've been able to believe, to accept Christ as Lord and Savior, and you're also going to suffer, but it's okay. Practice unity on those difficult days, those suffering days. Why unity? Unity, first of all, means strength. See? All the Philippian believers are called to, to have the same mind, one Lord, one mind, one spirit. On and on he goes because unity means strength. Watching the cadets that are training or the military that is training in their basic training, it amazes me how they learn to march in such perfect rhythm and such perfect cadence. It amazes me because I have no rhythm. I would have caused my platoon great trouble because I don't think I could learn to do that. Everybody says, oh, you'd learn. Yeah, I guess I would, but it would have been difficult. But you see, that unity isn't just for the marching for the show. When they learn that unity, they learn other unity as a group, as a troop, as a battalion. And that unity is so important because it shows up on the battlefield as they move, as they fight, as they win, it leads to victory. Because that unity means strength. If there's not unity, the lines are broken. If there's not unity, the lines are overwhelmed. If there's not unity, there's defeat. And as a church, we need unity with one another, with fellow believers in other churches. We need to remember to pray for our Christian brothers and sisters around the world, in our state, in our nation, in our communities. Because unity leads to strength. And you see, we need to practice unity. But the second thing, unity gives assurance. It means this. I am not alone. He says, I may hear of your affairs as you stand fast, one spirit, one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Oh, hallelujah, we're not alone. The same things that are happening to us happen to others. The same things that are happening to us really happen to those who have gone on before us. That great cloud of witnesses in the book of Hebrews that cheer us on. You can make it. You can do it. Keep on with Jesus. And that unity gives us assurance that we're not alone. I don't know how people make it who don't have a church home, who don't know Jesus, who don't have fellow believers to help them. Do we have unity? See, unity standing fast in one spirit, one mind, striving together means victory. It gives us assurance that we have others that are willing to help us, to stand with us, 
to strive together forward. Do you have that confidence? Do you know what that confidence is like? I read an article. I have a newspaper. It happened way back in 1990. In the spring thaw that happened hmm, late in March, um, they discovered a car with two bodies inside of it. It was back on a little used road that evidently they had gotten lost on and were trying to navigate during a blizzard. It was a 68-year-old woman and a 75-year-old man. It was Gene and Ken Cheney, a married couple. They got off. They couldn't. You see, they kept a diary with the light in their glove box of their experience. They slowly began to see the fatal truth of their situation. Here's what they wrote. We began to realize that we are on a road that isn't maintained during the winter. Truly a miracle if anyone comes by. We had no idea what lies ahead, so here we are, completely and utterly in God's hand. And they wrote this, What better place to be? The next week, they ate Rolades, a stick of gum, two of those restaurant packets of jelly. They scraped frost off their car windows for drinking water. And they endured those days by singing hymns and quoting every Bible verse they could know and praying, and still no one came. Eighteen days later, on March 18th, Gene Cheney wrote the following diary entry. Dad went to be the Lord at 7.30 this evening. It was so peaceful I didn't know he'd left. The last thing that I heard him say was, Thank the Lord. I think I'll be with him soon. Bye. I love you. That was the last entry on May 18th. She passed shortly after he did. It was May 1st before they were found. It was truly a human tragedy, but what I want us to realize, they didn't die alone in despair, huddling in that car. You see, Christ was with them. They celebrated their faith, their love of God, with every fiber of their strength. They were not complacent about death, but were confident in their hope and living it out that it would get them through. Are you confident in your hope? If not, you need to accept Christ. If you've been straying, you need to come back to the one who can give us hope, even during a pandemic. I'm firmly convinced that unless God delivered us from this pandemic, we don't have hope. That it could just be wave after wave. We need to be praying that God stops it. That America turns, that people start accepting Christ as our Lord and Savior. During the pandemic, the faith is supposed to work. My father-in-law's uh, had a hymn that was, We'll work till Jesus comes down. One of my favorites is number 100 in our little Heavenly Highways hymn. It's called Tell It to Jesus. Are you weary? Are you heavy hearted? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you grieving over joys departed? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. 
Do the tears flow down your cheeks unbidden? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Have you sins that two men's eyes are hidden? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Do you fear the gathering clouds of sorrow? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Are you anxious what shall be tomorrow? Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. Are you troubled at the thought of dying? Tell it to Jesus Tell it to Jesus, for Christ coming daily are you sighing. Tell it to Jesus alone. Tell it to Jesus, tell it to Jesus. He is a friend that's well known. You have no other such a friend or brother. Tell it to Jesus alone. That's one of my favorite hymns because I used to sing it to my kids when we was going down for a nap and I still sing it to my grandchildren. I hope you'll sing it this week, even by yourself, just to tell it to Jesus. I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer and we're going to dismiss and the program will be over. Father God, thank you for your mercy, your loving kindness. Lord, thank you that you're with us, that you never leave us. Strengthen our faith, Father. Give us extra grace during this time. I pray, Father, that we'll hold close to you and tight to you, that you'll continue to protect our church family and our extended families. Keep us from getting this dreaded disease. And Father, for those that have it, help them to heal. Lord, for those who have lost loved ones, let your presence be with them. Again, be with our nurses, our missionaries, our doctors, our military, our EMTs, our firemen, our policemen who are on the front line of this. Protect them. Father, I pray that in the midst of this, your power be displayed and you'll stop this virus and that you will receive glory. Many Christians are praying not only here in Arkansas or across the United States, but around the world for your help. Father, you be glorified. Let Jesus be lifted up in our midst. Let him draw men and women, boys and girls into himself. Send revival to our land. Heal our land, Father. Father, we praise you for who you are because you've blessed us so many ways that we often take for granted with our freedoms. Lord, we don't want to regulate you to some little dusty corner. 